0: The Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen once shared a story about this nun that was tending to a patient that had leprosy. And she was the only one willing to go into the room of this man who suffered from this this terrible disease because the stench that came from him, as you may know, leprosy causes the flesh to basically rot away in these open sores and wounds on the person's body. So because of that putrid stench, nobody wanted to be in the same room as him, not even the same wing. And yet this one nun would consistently tend to him. You can see into the room through this glass window, and this man was watching her in awe. Because not only was she tending to this sick man she was doing so with this peace, this tenderness, even this joy. She was smiling, even at the exact same time that her human nature was absolutely repulsed. In the sense of everybody's just natural senses at that moment would recoil and would not want to be close to him, and yet she was able to Go above the natural senses into the supernatural love that she showed for this man. Well, as this nun was leaving the room, this man stopped her and he said, Sister, I I wouldn't do what you just did for a million dollars. And she smiled at him and said, Neither would I. And in that response, we learn everything. She didn't do that for the money. She didn't do that out of a sense of duty. She did that out of love. And that's ultimately the only thing that that brings us to the level of being heroic. To to that level of, of really extraordinary acts. It takes love. Duty only gets you so far. Money only gets you so far. But what's incredible about this nun's love for that man is that it was made possible by her love of God. In the act of love that people have the habit of making, it's this prayer to God. You say, Lord, I choose to love you and to love others for the sake of you. And sometimes we hear that and we think, no, 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 you should love others for their own sake. Yeah, I guess. But after a while, they become pretty unlovable. And it becomes really hard to love people for their own sake. Our senses recoil. Maybe we've been hurt by these people, and so we choose never to love them again. Where our natural capacity to love people for their own sake runs out, we learn to love them for God's sake. We learn to love God so much that we are willing and capable of loving others when it becomes difficult. And it's that tie between loving God and loving neighbor that Jesus makes so beautifully in today's Gospel. In today's Gospel, Jesus is asked about what the highest commandment is. It was a a common discussion among the rabbis in Jesus' time. Right, The, the uh, The law has so many different precepts and prohibitions. What's the hierarchy? What's the most important thing? Now, his first answer would not be shocking. We even read it in the, first, um, in the first reading, where Jesus says, the first is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. At that point, they would nod and say, Yes, absolutely, the whole point of the law is to love God. But then where Jesus would have shocked his first listeners is when he says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. He puts them together as two sides of the same coin. He shows us that loving God is usually just empty words that we say if we don't show that love for God in love for neighbor. And the flip side of that is that love for neighbor becomes so difficult, and I would actually say impossible in some situations, unless it has its its foundation, love of God. So, first, how love of neighbor expresses love for God? Well, it's similar to when I was a boy, uh, I was mama's boy, right? I I love telling my mom that I love her because I do. But sometimes I would say that with my words. And then she would say, oh, yes, I love you, too. Then she'd say, you know, I'm really busy right now. Would you please, I asked you half an hour ago, would you please just vacuum the living room as I asked you? And I would say, yeah, Mom, but the game's still on. So maybe after the game, then I'll do that. Then after the game came my favorite show. And I was like, ah, maybe after that. And what I had said with my words, I took back with my actions. I said, Mom, I love you, and then I showed very little love. Well, that's how it sometimes is, not only in our human relationships, but with our relationship with the Lord. We say in such beautiful terms, God, I love you. But then we fail to show it in the way we treat each other. We say, God, you are so good, and I am so grateful for all you've given me. And then with all the people he's given me, I treat them like dirt. God wants that love of him to be shown in our actions and our love for each other. So, what was shocking to Jesus' first listeners that he would bring love of neighbor up to the point of love of God is not as shocking to us today. Because we have, for the past 2,000 years, been talking about how important love of neighbor is. And now we've gotten to the point where even those who don't believe in God, even secularists will say, you got to be kind to one another. you got to be considerate. you got to be nice. Treat others as you would want to be treated. And we focus so much on that, but then we take away what makes us capable of it in difficult situations. Because we focus on love of neighbor, and sometimes we completely forget love of God. That's our situation today all too often. We assume, hey, God will still be there and he's kind and forgiving so I can forget about him for a while and I don't really have to actively love him. He's just fine if I'm not a bad person, right? A- a- and we end up reducing the entire faith into, I'm a nice guy, right? I try not to hurt too many people, so I must be basically on par with Mother Teresa, right? We, we kind of try to fit the entire faith into just that second portion of love your neighbor as yourself. But then even that gets so hard so often. Because I don't know if you've noticed, a lot of people are very difficult to love. A lot of people in our families are very difficult to love. People in our church community. And it's at that moment that we realize... I am incapable of loving them unless I love the God who made them so much that I can start to see them as he does and love them as he does. And so today we get to focus on love of God because it's the forgotten one. But it's the one that makes it possible for us to love as heroically as that nun that we heard about in that first story. And so how does Jesus tell us that we are to love God? He says... Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. Here we can reflect today, my heart, to whom do I give that heart? My affections, my desires. Do I have the courage to be in love with God? Or, or is that something that is just, ah, uh, that's a little too weird for me, I don't know. I will, I will use my love on the things of this world, on my family, on my friends, on my spouse. All of that's great, but we're taking the good and letting it take the place of the best. Your heart was made first and foremost to fall in love with God himself. Every other love is meant to be a reflection of that. Do I have the courage to desire God, and, and, and to place my affections in Him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. That soul, that, 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 that is the, the characteristic makeup of who you are, right? Together with your body, is, it is the, un, the unique, unrepeatable person that you are. Is it centered on your relationship with Jesus? Or is your relationship with Jesus just one part of the mix? If somebody had to describe you, would they be able to say in the first ten things that they say about you, this is a person in love with Jesus Christ. This is a person whose Catholic faith determines everything else in their life. Or would that be a forgotten detail? Maybe thing number 98 that they say, like, oh yeah, and I guess she was Catholic too, and I guess I think she went to church. Or is that the defining characteristic of what makes your soul your soul? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Here we can reflect on what does this mind think about more often than not? Day to day, what kind of thoughts do I fill my mind with? And here we are fighting an uphill battle because... I mean, I myself, with my phone, let's face it, the tech companies, they've got me figured out. They know exactly which articles to send my way that'll keep me scrolling for a good half hour, hour, and I'm like, oh, okay, I need to know that. No, I don't. Right? I I will fill it with sports or with news or with other little things. But this mind was made first and foremost for God. Do I let it linger on thoughts of my Lord? Do I read through the Gospels so much that they're the things that I'm thinking about? Do I let my imagination enter into the Gospels so that I can place myself into those scenes? Have Jesus speak to me in my daily prayer? Or is my only contact with the Gospel when it's read from this ambo? Do I read the lives of the saints? Do I think about, oh man, what would I do in that scenario? Do I let myself be inspired by these heroic witnesses to the love of God? Or do I instead just think about the celebrities of my day-to-day, all of the sordid affairs that they get themselves into? Which lives do I follow? Which things do I read? Do I use this mind to study my faith? Do I take advantage of all the resources I have? Or do I just let my mind and all of the thoughts within it be wasted on that which is passing, that that which in a year I will no longer care about? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And here we realize that precious commodity that we have and feel like we have too little of, time and energy. How do I spend the strength that I have, the time that I have, the energy and attention that I have? Do I spend it on Bettering my relationship with the Lord to such a degree that I can then heroically love the people in my life? Or do I usually just spend it following whatever little plans I have for this week, this month, this year? Or do I just waste it? Not even having a goal, not even having a purpose, just kind of drifting, getting lost in my phone every day, getting lost in my computer every day, and then realizing a month has passed, two months have passed, where is my strength gone? It's just kind of dwindled away. Well, at this point, we might think, yeah, I can do a little bit better loving God. We might think, God, to be honest, even in just like the loving neighbor part, I feel like I don't have the strength for it. Like, you don't know the people that I have to work with. Like, it is just so difficult for me. I don't have the strength. And that's where it's beautiful what we said in the Responsorial Psalm, what four or five times we repeated, I love you, Lord, my strength. And that can become for us the refrain for the rest of this week. When loving the person in front of us gets very difficult, we can say before we bite their heads off with that that comeback that we were thinking of as they were chewing us out, we pause, we take a breath, and we say, I love you, Lord, my strength. And just in the the seconds that it takes us to say that, we invite the Holy Spirit in to give us the strength to be able to love this otherwise unlovable person. In that moment that we say, I love you, Lord, my strength, we recognize I can actually love this person in front of me because he loves him. Because I love him, I can love her. I can love him. And so may I love you, Lord, my strength, be our refrain throughout this week. May it be that prayer that helps us to convert our hearts, convert our souls, convert our minds and our strength, all to help us fall more in love with the God who helps us to live lives of love toward him and toward the people in our lives.